convos. What's up, everybody? We're back. This is Claire, and today is going to be an interesting episode. You know, I'm not sure what I'm going to say. <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm just going with the flow, which is what I have kind of been doing my entire life. So, yeah, today we're going to just kind of have that conversation, the the homosexuality and Christianity intersection. Uh, today's episode is going to be at the corner of homosexuality and evangelical Christianity, so it's going to be a spicy one. And this episode is brought to you by a lovely Facebook message I received from an acquaintance that graduated from Southwest Baptist University, um, which is my alma mater. So, to preface a little bit, you know, there's a little bit of some tension between the LGBTQ community and the, like, American church, and... I guess this message shed some light um, onto kind of what some of those narratives are about me and people like me um, and kind of the views of us that are held by those who um, are not accepting of my identity and my like relationship and who I love and that's really painful um to kind of you know have those things confirmed it's one thing when you like have you know the the inner monologue or the anxiety or whatever telling you like I don't think these people like me but when you kind of (laughs) I guess when you when it's confirmed it's like well I guess I had a reason to be fearful and a lot of us have reasons to be fearful and um I do believe in a god in a higher power in a divine being just kind of orchestrating all of us little sims here on earth um And I don't know all of the specifics. I don't know all of the answers. And, um, yeah, I think I have gotten to a point where I am aware that I know a lot. And I know that I know a a lot less than everything. There are so many things I don't know yet, and I'm so excited to learn more, and I think to claim that you have all the answers and that other people are not acceptable to you because they are different from you is ignorant and unkind. 
So I'm going to start by reading this message that I received yesterday. Um, I'm going to protect the anonymity of um, the sender of this message. My intention is not to exploit them or to, um, to turn the LGBTQ community on them, um, but more so to share with you kind of like what it feels like to have left the church and to be gay. Here goes. Hi, Claire. I don't know if you remember me from SBU or not. I know we only ran into each other a handful of times, and I ended up marrying so-and-so, who I think you may have known from before SBU. I can't remember what so-and-so had said about how they knew your family from before. I just wanted to say that I listened to your videos on Facebook, and my heart broke. I haven't listened to your podcast, but I can see that you have been really hurting. I'm sorry that you have felt rejected by humans as a whole and that you feel misunderstood. I related in the sense that I was always drawn to talk to men since I liked that they were always so straightforward. I had a hard time with women being so indirect and often fake. However, I was never as bold as you. I have always been pretty shy, so I often admired men's straightforwardness, only being straightforward in my closest relationships, sometimes not having that go well. I've never felt understood, and I have often had a hard time explaining myself to others. It has been one of my personality traits that has brought me the sorrow slash struggles in life. Not feeling understood and having a hard time connecting to people in real ways. I don't know if you still believe in God or if you believe in Jesus, but from looking at the Bible, there are so many instances that I feel like I relate to the prophets of God that he sent out. He told them to say some things that were pretty harsh and honest with people, but those prophets were mocked, abused, and even killed. The prophets lived pretty miserable but fulfilling lives on earth. They were misunderstood. Their lives were fulfilling because they were suffering for God, and he was their reward. The same thing happened to Jesus. He spoke with truth and grace, but he was misunderstood and persecuted. It says in the John 2 that Jesus didn't entrust himself to people because he knew what was in people. The church in many of the New Testament letters was badly treated and persecuted, yet they were sorrowful but always rejoicing. I believe that even though living for God can bring us pain, our inner beings will feel the most fulfilled and we will be able to live our best lives. We don't have to worry about what other people think of us. He understands us like no one else can, and I think he also sometimes blesses us with relationships or conversations where we can find real connection. I've been reading through Isaiah and Jeremiah lately. There's a lot about God's judgment, but I see all along the way God is asking people to repent and come to him so that he can free them from their bondage. Will, to keep going in the midst of your deep sorrow in order to fight back against the darkness. The world tells us how tradition has been holding us back from true fulfillment. Truly, some traditions have held us back because they are just man-made traditions and are unbiblical. But some old forgotten ways are the true ways. The lies about follow your heart and you can decide your gender that the world tells us will only leave us more broken and hollow inside, devoid of any meaning or life. 
The Bible says that our heart is deceitful above all things. Who can trust their heart? But we can trust God's heart. The Bible also says God fashioned who we were to be from the time we were in the womb. To be unsatisfied with how he made us is to reject him and to reject the most fulfilling life. I think the homosexual community is suffering from so much depression because they sought joy and fulfillment in something that God didn't intend and they are left directionless and without hope and don't know who they are. I don't know where you are in your struggle to find meaning in life, but I know God didn't just give us a bunch of don't to follow. He also told us what we can do to live for him in gratitude for what he has done. And that is where we can truly find fulfillment in a spirit-filled life. There were plenty of crazy, rambunctious Christians on fire for Jesus doing some pretty awesome stuff. And your unique, beautiful soul was meant to live the unique life for God and to get free from the stream the world is drifting on out of the box that the world tells you to be in. If you want to talk more, just let me know. I'm just another fallen, broken human in need of hope and a savior. Yeah, so, a lot to unpack there. Um, I definitely got a lot more out of it the second time reading it just now, because the first time I think I blacked out a little bit emotionally. Um, it's sort of like I knew what it was saying before I read the actual words, um, okay, so I guess I just want, take a moment, for a moment, like, just, like, walk a mile in my shoes, okay? So here's my story. I grew up in a homeschool home in evangelical Christianity in Columbia, Missouri. The first openly gay person I met was a bisexual guy at my high school when I went to public high school. Um, I believe that was, I guess, probably, I probably met some, some people who identified as gay in ninth grade. I don't remember that as distinctly. It was either in ninth grade or tenth grade, but, um... I didn't know I was gay because that was not an option. I didn't know I was gay because it wasn't safe for me to be gay. And so even if maybe at some deep level, like, dating men didn't quite feel right, I didn't know that I really had other choices. And I definitely didn't feel safe to make those other choices um that felt like it would have been social suicide and once you come out as gay or anything kind of outside of the norm people treat you differently and this is more direct like direct than 
a lot of I'm trying to be like diplomatic but like what the fuck like what the fuck do you know how violating it feels to receive a message that tells you that the depression that you have dealt with your entire adolescent and adult life is because you are a homosexual what about the fact that what if what about the undiagnosed ADHD what about the undiagnosed autism or what about the fact that my therapist yesterday brought up the fact that I likely have bipolar as most of my life has been spent between periods of hypomania and depressive episodes what about the the religious trauma what about the fact that my entire social life for much of my life was these people these people who who viewed gay people as sinful creatures but the gay sin is a different category to you than straight sin if you're if you're straight if you have heterosexual premarital sex nobody's gonna come at you but if you have homosexual premarital sex or if you have homosexual postmarital sex you are sinful to a degree that people that did not speak to you for your four years of college come out of the woodworks and tell you that you are sinning. That message felt so violating. I copied and pasted the message and sent it to some friends of mine who have the same alma mater and are also queer and one of them actually also received the same message essentially it was a little like different like the wording like there's a few tweaks to be more specific to that individual um but like it was like it was like Iron sharpens iron week in their small group, it felt like. <laughs> like like how many like how many people received that message from this individual or from others? But what's more concerning is not the actual message. What's more concerning is what that message represents. What that message represents about those who believe that my identity is unacceptable and that my relationship is unbiblical and that my happiness and joy are not as valid and the crazy thing is that I'm finally opening up on social media in the present tense as I'm healing and processing and grieving and going through my pain and my sorrow and my depression and all of these really intense emotions that are inevitable when you leave one world and enter another. But I've had one foot in and one foot out for years. You just didn't know because I was not allowed to have one foot in and one foot out. I was not allowed to question because you would rebuttal with, we all go through our periods of doubting. And when will you see that the church is not being persecuted in 2023? The church is persecuting in 2023. 
That is some blame the victim type shit. Do you think, do you think that me as a 26 year old gay girl, what kind of power do you think I have? The only power I have is social. I have the power of words. I have the power of charisma. I have the power of unapologetically living my truth. But my truth is not your truth. And your truth is the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. So your truth trumps my truth. And you probably also voted for Trump. (sighs) People who like me like me because I let them tell me who they are. I do not tell them who they are. You do not tell me who I am. You do not get to tell me who I am. I have fought for 26 fucking years to tell you who I am, and you will not tell me who I am. I am not sweet. I am not submissive. I am not a meek, mild, righteous housewife. I am not a Proverbs 31 woman. I wield my sword with strategy with confidence, with charisma, and I know that I'm going to piss a lot of people off. But guess what? Guess what? I'm okay with that. Because there were a lot of times where people pissed me off that I did not say anything. So the difference now is just that I'm saying something. The difference is not that I was was never hurt in the past. The difference is that I have my power now. I have my voice. I have my identity. I have my community. And you were never my community. You were my environment. But my acceptance in your community was conditional on my performance. I could not show you my autism because I would have been rejected. I could not show you my queerness because I would have been rejected. I went to chapel in college because it was a requirement for graduation from our university. I didn't consistently go to church. I dabbled here and there, but I never felt, never really fit in any of the churches in in Bolivar, Missouri. We have a lot of progress to make as a society, and it's really discouraging because we have made some progress and it feels like we're regressing currently and I'm not talking about this message I'm talking more about like Roe v. Wade being overturned and the fact that you care about life when it's a fetus but as soon as that fetus has opinions of their own as soon as that fetus decides that they don't play by your rules as soon as that fetus decides that they don't want to go home for Thanksgiving and that they are not actually a cisgender person and that they actually don't want to go to church on Sundays you no longer value that fetus you do not value life you are not pro-life you value conformity you value you tradition you value homogen oh my gosh homogeneity homogeneity you value homogeneity and you reject homosexuality and you can't put me in a box I do not fit I do not fit into a box and trust me I've tried and I've cut off so many parts of myself and you know We're all grateful for our trauma, right? Because it makes us have a little bit of that extra seasoning. It builds character, right? And it also fucks with you for the rest of your life. I was going back through my notes on my phone. I have 
over 3,000 notes on my iPhone as I've jotted down quotes and observations and thoughts and experiences. And that has been a way to counteract the fact that I have a very poor memory. I have a lot of difficulty with my memory. I also know that memory is very fallible. But you know what is not? Data. I'm a very literal person. I'm a very detail-oriented person. I find typos in textbooks. I make mistakes, but I don't often (laughs) make typos that go uncorrected. And I don't often write down information that is not accurate. And I found in a quote note from a mission trip I went on in college an interaction between two of my straight white male mission trip leaders, and I want to read it to you. Again, I will protect their identities because I don't think these people want (laughs) these things to be tied to them. For context, the mission trip was in a country where two adults of the same sex could hold hands in public and it not be considered socially unacceptable. Um, So one of the mission trip leaders said, in reference, I believe, to some locals in that country, I saw some hand-holding between the same sex yesterday. Claire, was that who you saw? So I guess just picture me, a closeted queer woman, observing my leaders, not only making homophobic jokes in reference to the locals of that country in which we were visitors, evangelizing to these people to convert them to Christianity and get extra bonus stars in our crowns in heaven. But they also included me in that rhetoric because maybe it wasn't so subtle that I was queer. So it was fun to use me as the butt of the joke. But it's not fun to be the butt of the joke. It's not fun when your identity is an embarrassment. It's not funny when your identity is a punchline. It's not funny when stand-up comedians just, like, degrade marginalized groups. I don't find that funny. I don't think that that's an impressive form of comedy. I think that's low-hanging fruit. And to have those experiences from your male leaders, your religious leaders, these are people who are guiding you through Christianity. And as a woman, you know, I knew I was a second-class citizen, but as a queer woman, what am I, a third-class citizen? I know there are good Christians. I know there are kind Christians. I know there are loving Christians. But there is a lot of hatred as well. And I want you to take a look inward and reflect a little bit. And I want to know if if your church leadership says something problematic, do you have the courage to gently correct them? Do you have the ability to hold people accountable for the problematic things that they say and do? And if not, we all know that silence is violence. 
Silence is compliance. Silence sides with the oppressor. Silence sides with the oppressor. I'll say it louder for the kids in the back. If you are not taking a stance, if you are not speaking out, if you are not making people know that they are safe with you, then you are not a safe person. If you have been given every privilege and you are not aware and humbled by your privilege, you are part of the problem. Can you confidently defend your theology? Can you sleep at night? I never could. I played the part. I was a good actress, right? But I didn't promote my Christianity. I was always ashamed of it. And now I know that it was because that identity was incompatible with my truest self. In the last few months, I've obviously like gotten a lot more public on the internet with what I'm sharing with you, how vulnerable I'm being, and how much access I'm giving you into the things that I struggle with. But I am also protecting my energy. I did not respond to that message. I did not acknowledge it on Facebook Messenger. This is my response. I'm responding with my voice because that individual did not get any more of my energy. They took enough of my energy in me reading that message. You know, it's funny. (laughs) So I've always, my thing has always been, as soon as you're nice to me and treat me with respect and I can tell that, like, that you're, you're cool with me and that we're cool, like, I would consider someone a friend. I'm very vulnerable right off the bat. I've never been a gatekeeper of my vulnerability. That scares a lot of people. It's related to my neurodivergence, and those of you who are also neurodivergent understand what I'm talking about, and those of you who are neurotypical might not. I also grew up where vulnerability was praised, and I grew up being taught to trust everyone that I was around. The church is good, the church is safe, the church is trustworthy. Outside of the church, dangerous, worldly, hedonistic, unsafe, untrustworthy, filled with lies and deceit. Not a lot of people have been as in and as out of two opposing worlds as I have. But let me tell you something. The reason that the sexually repressed Christian girls are the ones who end up having reckless sex is because you taught us not to have a voice. You taught us to be submissive. You taught us that men were the deciders, that men were the leaders, that men were the ones in charge, and that we were less than men. I'm just tired. I'm tired of finding out about new legislation that is trying to, like, Tell us that trans people are more dangerous than firearms. I'm tired of you feeling that that your opinion of me defines me. I'm tired of being an outcast. The reason that I'm 
okay with exploding or imploding my life is because I have nothing left to lose because everything has already been taken from me. I have lost my dignity. I have lost my sense of self. I have lost all of... I have lost my reputation. I have lost my good standing. I have lost your perception of me that says that I make the cut. So if I walked into your church on Sunday, would you welcome me with open arms? What if I walked in with my partner who is a trans woman? Would you welcome us? Or would you stare at us? Would you whisper about us? And would you make it clear that we will never be accepted in your world? You preach a gospel of love. You preach a gospel of fulfillment I am currently experiencing more love, more fulfillment, more authenticity, and more joy than I ever have before in any period of my life. But on the outside, all you are willing to see is the heartbreaking depression. The difference is that this is just the first time that I've really truly shown you. All of the rest, all of the rest of it, all of the time when I was in community with you, I had too much shame to show you my pain. I was taught that life was so, life was suffering. I was taught that Christians will suffer because we are the chosen ones. We are God's people. Not going to get too into the whole predetermination thing, but like, You feel important, right? You feel important when they tell you that you're the chosen one. You're the one. (laughs) You have to go evangelize to those people. You have to go on those two-week mission trips where you get your friends and family to pay for your vacation. And you're too scared to witness to these people. Like, there's so much dissonance, right? Like, A bunch of, like, white college kids going to a foreign country to preach the gospel? They didn't ask you to go there. They didn't ask... They didn't ask for you to place your belief systems onto them. They didn't ask for your white saviorism. Aren't we taught that God sees all sins from the top down? All sins are equal to God? But are all sins equal to you? Or do you find my masculine energy off-putting? Do you want me to be sweeter? Do you want me to be softer? Do you want me to be gentler? Do you want me to be kinder? Do you want me to be more submissive? Do you want me to be myself? Or do you want me to be what you want me to be? (laughs) 